Today we are inviting you to come explore the world south of the border with us, the Mexican border, that is. We are taking it way beyond what is commonly known as Tex-Mex food, burritos, enchiladas, and tacos. Nothing wrong with that, but do you know what real, authentic Mexican cuisine looks like? Well, you'll know after this hour. Authentic Mexican cuisine, a world of flavor and spirit. That's our topic here today on An Organic Conversation, your show on everything that makes life worth living. I'm Helge Helberg. The temperatures are rising and the summer vacation is just around the corner. Wherever it may take you this year, even just camping at your favorite lake around the corner, for many of us, a slice of Mexican cuisine is part of it. Or at least what we know as Mexican. Tortilla chips with guacamole, of course, or fajitas, or some cheese enchiladas, perhaps. But is this really authentic Mexican food? What's the difference between Tex-Mex Americanized food and traditional fresh, delicious and even intricate real Mexican cuisine? It will become clear today as we are speaking with the author of a brand new beautiful cookbook on Mexican food here in this hour. Authentic Mexican cuisine, a world of flavor and spirit. All that and more coming up in just a minute here on Inorganic Conversation. I am Helga Helberg, and this show is brought to you by Fry Vineyards, America's first organic winery, family-owned and operated. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines. Award-winning wines at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E dot com. And thank you also to Earl's Organic Produce, a national distributor of organic fruits and vegetables that has been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. From grocery store to company cafeteria to caterers and personal chefs, anyone can buy from Earl's Organic. Certified organic produce at earlsorganic.com. And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg, and with me in the studio to explore the authentic 
world of Mexican cuisine, a world of flavor and spirit, are Gonzalo Gonzalez Guzman, the chef and owner of Nopalito in San Francisco, and Alison Jossel, the owner of Nopa, Nopa and Nopalito. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Great for you to come in. Thank you so much. Wonderful to have you. And yes, Tex-Mex versus real, authentic Mexican. Gonzalo, you created an amazingly beautiful new cookbook. It's really a, a cultural book on Mexican food and Mexican cuisine. But before we dive in, tell us about your background as a chef. How did you end up making your love for food your career? You're originally from Veracruz, Mexico. Right. I'm and from a small town uh Colonial Aguila, Municipio de Catemaco, Veracruz. It's a long name, but I'm, uh, yeah, but uh, <laughs> Thank Veracruz. Thank you for doing that part. <laughs> yeah. And you came to San Francisco. You were starting in restaurants when you were 14. Uh, more like 15, 16. Uh -huh. um, uh, yeah, and I started working just in restaurants as any other person that comes from, and, you know, uh, from Mexico and lands in San Francisco. I mean, that's kind of like the first job. Uh, What did you do? Dishwasher. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, so I came in straight into the restaurants and uh, again just started working in restaurants, washing dishes uh, for a couple of months. Then I started prepping, and you know, from there I just started learning a little bit more about what cooking was. Actually, Nopalito is the first Mexican restaurant that I worked in. Before that, it was uh, all European. When you say European restaurants, like what, California, French, fusion, Italian, uh -huh. uh, Greek, in fact, I, that was kind of like the The restaurant that I worked with, uh, Chef Lawrence, chef from Nopa, also another restaurant in San Francisco. So that's where I met him 18 years ago, I think. When did you discover your love for food? When did you know that food was your path, would be your path? Well, I, I would have to say that it, w it was in that restaurant <laughs> uh, after meeting Chef Lawrence. So after I applied there as a dishwasher and going there, um, he had me peel some carrots and potatoes and... I did it pretty fast, and he liked that. And uh, and since then, I just started prepping and cooking, and no more dishwashing. Thank so God I for I, those carrots. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. He didn't know I was applying for a, a prep cook. And he thought I was a prep cook instead of a dishwasher, and that's why he had me doing that. Oh, it was okay. kind of like a mistake. <laughs> But he uh, got a little impressed, and then uh, again, after a year of spending uh, at that restaurant and seeing all the things that you could do with food and with ingredients, and then knowing that that's kind of like something that I will be doing for a while, I just started loved it kind of like fell in love and just yeah. since then i haven't stopped what was your relationship to food before you came at, at 14 or 15 you left mexico how did you grow up what was your mom cooking for you or your grandmother well pretty basic stuff small town 400 500 people uh, at that time there was no electricity no power again it was just like cooking what we what they will grow my parents or my mom and, and myself things that we will find in our backyard because, you know, you don't have money, but you have some land, that, sure. you know, stuff just grows there. Uh, you just go and pick that and put it in water and like boil it. tomatoes and jicama and... Like well, like, yeah, jicama, that's something that you just, you know, put some chili and limes that also grow there, so you don't really need to go to the store and get anything. And again, growing with, like, two, three women, my mom and two sisters, that kind of pushed me to do what they will always do and always, always be cooking and... Uh, doing what a woman normally does, in unfortunately, in Mexico. I was the only boy. Uh, she'll go away, and then I'm like, okay. She'll be like, you're in charge of the uh, of the, your two sisters. So I'll be cooking them simple stuff, like boiling beans, and I would just give them, you know, beans with no salt probably, but that's kind of like you know, my childhood was. And then uh, Great. 
She also she will also do some cooking for a small community school that we had there, like Antojitos, we call it. And again, she was always cooking most of the time, and just I didn't know I was going to do this for the rest of my life, <laughs> but that's yeah. When it finds you, your passion, right? And now you have this beautiful book, and Elson, you are part of all this. Gonzalo is the chef and owner at Nopalito, the small Nopa version, which opened a few years after you had opened Nopa, really a landmark restaurant in San Francisco. Uh, how did you come to food? Being a restaurateur, especially as a woman, really hard career choice. Did that find you as much as food found Gonzalo? Food found me early on. I grew up around a mother who was very passionate about food, and it was always part of my childhood. Started in restaurants when I was 14 and never seemed to leave. Tried at one point, but it didn't work. I realized this is where I was supposed to be. So I've always kind of been involved either in the food service industry or through agriculture, you know, backwards through the food service industry. But restaurants are definitely my passion and definitely my, my path. Met Gonzalo when we opened Nopa, and that really translated into how Nopalito ended up being opened. Being how, a woman, what, what was sorry. it? Like Nopa offered farm to table if, if there's a framework around it, but really fresh, organic, mostly local California cuisine and became quickly, instantly, really, with its opening, an institution in San Francisco. How did that translate into Nopalito? Gonzalo. Gonzalo and, and another one of our, our line cooks at the time, a man by the name of Jose Ramos. Lawrence knew Gonzalo and brought him into the fold when we opened Nopa. And at that point, Jeff, my other business partner, and Lawrence and I really saw all the potential that Lawrence had seen in Gonzalo for years and realized that this man is unlike any others, um, was cooking food that was just out of this world and has mm. a skill set to be able to manage and run an efficient kitchen pretty much that's unparalleled. So working with Jose and Gonzalo together, it became so clear that Nopalito was next on the on the agenda. Neither myself, Lawrence, or Jeff knew anything about Mexican food other than, you know, that we appreciated it, but these guys really knew what they were doing and we knew how to operate restaurants. So we went and built Nopalito as a way to showcase what they really were passionate and very, very good at. So it kind of was a good a good partnership. Well, just as it seemed like a crazy idea to open Nopa in a place in San Francisco in a district where there was not much going on and it is now really a, a bustling little marketplace with Nopa as the flagship and then there's now an organic market, buy right market. And so that entire area has been kind of re- neighborhoodized, uh, revitalized in a way, or it has um, gotten its soul. But everyone was, I believe, telling you that opening up a, a really a top restaurant in that area of town where, you know, lots of restaurants are competing in general was not a good idea. A few years later, Nopalito opening up a Mexican restaurant in San Francisco seems just as crazy, honestly. How did you know, yes, this could work? I think we just were willing to take a risk and we were willing to, to push something that wasn't as common. So yes, taquerias are everywhere. You can find them on any corner in the mission, but a restaurant that was using high quality ingredients and not doing burritos, not doing, you know, the, the mission taqueria style, trying to, trying to go a little bit deeper into the cuisine and offer something that unfortunately you have to kind of break the mold of it being, you know, cheap. And as you were saying earlier, you know, Tex-Mex influenced going into something that was, we try not to use the word authentic too often because it is so difficult to really do authentic food when you're not authentically in the space that you're doing it. So to do authentic Mexican food in California is kind of a stretch, but we really, we really tried to embody 
as much of the culture and as much of the, you know, the cultural food of Mexico through Nopalito. And by doing it with the same ingredients that we source for Nopa, it definitely kind of changes the game a little bit on your typical San Francisco taqueria. You're listening to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg, and I'm speaking with Alison Jossel, the owner of Nopa, the flagship restaurant in San Francisco, and their offspring, Nopalito, Gonzalo Gonzalez Guzman, chef and owner, also in San Francisco, just around the corner, offering healthy, fresh real, yes, authentic Mexican food. Uh, and it's a perfect segue. Thank you for that, Alison. Gonzalo, many of us love Mexican food, and we do identify with this kind of Tex-Mex world. And it is sometimes a reason for me not to eat it, Alison, but you were just saying, if it's really not healthy looking, if the fat is not right, if the ingredients are not the freshest, while maybe delicious or tasty at least, it is not known as health food. Gonzalo, you are putting this all on its head. The The cookbook you just released really bursts with flavors and colors. It's called Nupalito, a Mexican kitchen. It's organic. Some of it are cooked dishes, but lots of f fresh uncooked ones as well. What does Mexican food really mean to you? And you even talk about the spirit of Mexican food. Can you dive into that? Well, it means everything. It means uh, how I was raised, and that's kind of like the book also represents me. And the restaurant itself goes, is the way I was raised in Mexico, you know, like growing up with like eating all seasonal ingredients, good ingredients that we will grow our, ourselves, nobody, and you know. So it's kind of what we do at Nopalito, just on a bigger scale, like tortillas, which is the main thing that we, that to me is very, very authentic. <laughs> I grew up grinding that um, masa, I mean making that masa, making those tortillas with my mom, even myself making those by hand. So again, just bring on a bigger scale and now in a restaurant. So it just means everything like the way I was raised and where I'm coming from. And when you talk about spirit, what is it about the Mexican cuisine for you, other than, of course, your origin and your upbringing, but you've been here for a couple of decades or a decade plus. You started here when you were 15 or 16, so it's been a few years. And when you compare American, even Bay Area, like San Francisco Bay Area, farm-to-table food with Mexican, what's the essence, what's the spirit of the Mexican part? I'll try. <laughs> but it's all this uh, love that, uh, you know, that we put into it and... Uh, But it's all this, I don't know, it's just all these dry chilies and that, you know, that I also grew up with and the whole spirit that I had when I was, and you know, younger. And, and now I can just put it into the Mexican food that and into the restaurant that we do it. I mean, it's just the spirit of all the people that work in it too and all the love that they put into the, uh, into the food, I guess. I don't know if that <laughs> make any sense. But There's also the reality that when you take something from a memory or you take something that is part of your upbringing and then you're able to translate it into a tangible livelihood and into something that you do and you get to touch every day and you see how well it's received and how many people appreciate it. It somehow brings justification to something that you feel passionate about. When others feel passionate about it, it makes you feel that much more invigorated and inspired to continue to do it. So it's one thing to cook great food at home and feed your family. It's another thing to cook great food and feed 250 to 400 people a day and see them really appreciate it and support a whole community through through a job. And I don't know, the full circle aspect of what what having a business and having it be around something you're passionate about allows you to to really kind of embody the spirit of something that is that is there, I guess. Beautiful. Authentic Mexican cuisine, a world of flavor and spirit, a brand new cookbook that is out now on 
Mexican food, Nopalito, a Mexican kitchen. And the author is also the owner and the chef at Nopalito in San Francisco. And he's joining me here in the studio with Alison Jossel, the owner of Nopa, the mothership just around the corner in the San Francisco panhandle. If you listen to this show in the Bay Area, um, you might be familiar with those restaurants. If not, a visit is in order. This is an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. We're right back with so much more. Let's dive into the cookbook right after the break. Stay tuned. This show is brought to you by Equal Exchange, a worker-owned cooperative that ensures your food is environmentally sound and socially just. Equal Exchange has been creating big change for small farmers for over 30 years by offering certified organic and fair trade coffee, tea, chocolate, bananas, and avocados. More on Equal Exchange at equalexchange.coop. That's equalexchange.coop. And by Adderley, offering beautiful and fun clothing for boys and girls that is made entirely from the unused fabric of prominent apparel manufacturers. Each garment reduces our eco-footprint by preventing this fabric from reaching the waste stream. Adderley, making sustainability fashionable and fashion sustainable. For more information, adderley.co. That's U-T-T-E-R-L-Y dot C-O. And Bowman College, a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Become a nutrition consultant or a natural chef at one of their campuses or learn from home in a self-paced mentored distance learning program. For more information on a degree in holistic nutrition or culinary arts, bowmancollege.org. Back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. Authentic Mexican cuisine is our topic in this hour. A brand new book by Gonzalo Gonzalez Guzman, the chef and owner of Nopalito in San Francisco. The book is called Nopalito, a Mexican Kitchen. And we're also joined by Alison Jossel, the owner of Nopa, the partner restaurant also in San Francisco. Right before the break, we talked about health Tex-Mex you were starting to dive into again traditional Mexican food while delicious is not identified as the ultimate health food but you have been able to combine Mexican food with health which it sounds like since your upbringing from your backyard garden freshness and health and simple ingredients are kind of the cornerstones of Mexican food for you 
Can you share your approach to, to the book? What are you covering in the book? And what's your message? Has health always been part of the Mexican cuisine for you? Or did that come because of San Francisco awareness? Uh, well, as I was growing up eating vegetables, it was always part of myself, like eating healthy. And that's, I think, something that people had in their mind when they think about Mexican food not being healthy because they think about lard and they think about all this fatty. Yeah. Uh, and yes, it can, it can be like that. But I guess if you really go with healthy and good uh, ingredients, I mean, it can be a really healthy type of cuisine. I mean, on the book, you'll find all these uh, molles that obviously are made for with chilies and also you but you'll also find like really good uh ways of use uh vegetables like we have really nice quesadillas there that you know we have like asparagus brussels sprouts and we have all these vegetables you can find and that's kind of like a lot of people back in mexico that's what they grew up eating with if you go to mexico city like the big cities you go on the streets of course you're gonna find all this you know Uh, maybe not very healthy <laughs> but delicious still but again uh, for me um the way i uh, The way I grew up is eating all this healthy food, and now I'm lucky to live in you know in a place where I'm a, I have access to all these ingredients, and uh, and that's why it kind of makes it easier for me to cook healthy Mexican food. Every time people think of like let's say refried beans, uh, they always think of a lot of lard and a lot of like not healthy. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, so we do some some uh, substitutions there. Like I use oil, like good oil instead of lard, which you know gives a lot of flavor too. It's a little different, but you know using really good uh, beans. You know, that's all you need. You don't really need to add a lot more fat or anything to make it taste better. And you're in the perfect place, right? Of course, California, the breadbasket for the country and specifically in the organic field, Nopa and Nopalito, you use mostly or entirely organic It's ingredients? Very, very high percentages. Yeah. yeah. We won't say 100%, but as often as we can, we source things that are organically. And you, you mentioned jicama, which is such an amazing summer vegetable. If people are not familiar with it, it looks like a rutabaga or like a like a big beet but it has the color of a, basically a pale p potato and um, really healthy for you rehydrating good minerals it's a tuber it's a root you were saying just some lime and some what do you put on there well usually you know we have this salad during not during the summer but whenever yeah, to die for it's <laughs> yeah it's all chili and lime and uh, three ingredients that's all you need <laughs> but you know just to be clear we don't have hickam on the book and, <laughs> and i actually don't use it as much as the restaurant at the restaurant just because we don't really have access to so we try to use uh, all local ingredients and that's one of them that's one of the ingredients that is really hard to, to get Uh -huh. But I do use, you know, all the, I mean, re we have really good citrus, which is the same idea, chill and lime. I mean, your chill and lime is going to be always, the, you know, what you need to mix it with any good uh, fruit so to have that Mexican taste and authenticity of the salad. It is one of the challenges, though, to have a Mexican restaurant that breaks the expectations of a lot of people to not have pico de gallo available all year round. It's a constant explanation of, well, tomatoes aren't available in February, so we don't have pico de gallo. But come back in the summer, we have a really great pico de gallo. So using using ingredients uh -huh. as seasonally as possible. Dried chilies are something that is part of the menu constantly. And California organic dried chilies are hard to source in the quantities that we need. So finding those from sources that we trust is, is a big part of, of how the restaurant operates, but staying as true as possible to fresh vegetables throughout the year. Um, you know, we use avocados almost all year round and there's a gap in the season when avocados uh -huh. just, yes. you know, become very difficult to have or, you know. The Mexican crop ending or starting and the California crop taking over, but these two, three weeks, I mean, you must be going through. It gaps for sure. Enormous amounts of 
avocado. I just yeah. reduced it. I just reduced the use <laughs> of avocados during those times at the restaurant yeah. as much as we can. The other thing that's funny is the restaurant is called Nopolito, which is basically a Named Small after it, yeah, exactly, which we cannot get fresh year-round. So people come in going, I want to order the nopales. It's like, mm, we don't have nopales, but you're called nopalito. Well, yes, but we don't have nopales right now. So when we can get fresh ones, we use them. But when we can't, it's it's not an item that's regularly on the menu. So I do need to ask, even though this is such an insider question, but Nopa, north of Panhandle in San Francisco, nopalito, small cactus, Did you, I mean, you couldn't have yes, known this. Yes, play on words. But um, you couldn't have known this when you opened Nopa, that there would be a small Nopa restaurant around the no, corner. No, That was Nopalito, which is Mexican for cactus. That's just ridiculous. It's a play on words, <laughs> and, and a good amount of that is, is due to Lawrence and his his love of of that game, the yeah. play on words. So he he had a good idea, and it, it rolled. Cool. So here we are. So when we talk about Mexican food, can you give us the the spectrum? You do you do have meats, you have some traditional dishes that are known and then some that are really not known only when you travel to Mexico perhaps. What does the book feature? It's, it's focused mainly on all over Mexico. We don't really focus on like from like Veracruz, that's where I'm from. Like when we first started the the restaurant, we uh, my co-chef at that time was from the north of Mexico. So we kind of just combined some of the south dishes, some of the uh North uh, dishes, so and also myself spending some time in Puebla, which is a little bit of the uh, south of Mexico City, a couple hours. You know, that's where one of the moles is well known, mole poblano, and that's where I got to meet a lot of the dry chilies and all those. So there is uh, those re really old, authentic recipes in the book. How much moles. does does Mexican cuisine change between south and north? What What are some examples? Um, if If somebody's not familiar with that. Southern American food, you know, Louisiana, that versus, you know, maybe Boston or, or California cuisine, there's some really distinct differences. What's the difference in, in Mexican food? So well, it's just like, I have to say, like, it, there's a big difference. I mean, every state in Mexico have their own cuisine, you know. So I could mention Mole Poblano from Puebla. I could mention uh, Torta Algada from Jalisco, which is, you know, totally different. One is a uh, mole made out of chilies that are growing around, that grow around the city, and that's why they do that. And then, you know, you go to Jalisco with torta hogada, it's bread, and, uh, and it, there's meat in that bread and covered with salsa. But because but the ingredients that they have access to, a lot but of beef they, and a lot they of... They just uh, don't do mole in that area, for example? Because they, do they don't have the peppers? Well, they do now. Sure, it says but all. Every, right. But, you know, like, if we talk about a few hundred years the, ago, yeah. uh, they will just use what they were they, they had access to and uh again that's the big difference from like the south and the north you know south is a little more of the tropical weather so you have a lot more access to a lot of really tropical fruits and ingredients and chilies and all that so it's all about ingredients and spices and north of mexico is more like drier so a lot of cattle a lot of like uh stews like beef carne asadas and things like that just because the way How did you learn the variances? And it's interesting to me that you that you studied or your entire career in restaurants was in more European, you said, type restaurants, Italian. The same sensitivity to food is true for Italy, right? Northern Italian food is much different than food from Sicily because of what was what is grown in that region traditionally, and it didn't quite, quite travel as far as much a few hundred years ago. How did you learn the the sensitive variances of Mexican cuisine throughout the country? Well, again, born and raised in Veracruz, really south, close to Oaxaca, right, and then moved to Puebla and lived there for a couple of years. And Puebla is pretty close to Mexico City. 
which is two hours north of Puebla. <laughs> that city just oh. it's kind of like the heart of Mexico, I would say, because a lot of people immigrate to Mexico City for work from the south, from the north, just because, you know, in the old days, that's where you will be. Come, everything comes together. Right. Every, you know, the people go there just because it was easier to find a job there, a bigger city. And so you'll get people from more, all around uh, Mexico. And then just by going and walking on the streets and going into the food or mercados, that's what they call it, um, you can find any any type of food there from anywhere in Mexico. And I will, you know, being in Puebla, I will go there every weekend and I will just go into the food markets and work on the streets. So things were just there. So all those pictures kind of stay in, in my head. And, you know, I'm like, okay, that looks great, tastes good. Came here not knowing that that's what I wanted to do. But again, I was raised and uh, and grew up with like seeing and like tasting uh, all these things. So they kind of never went away. And I think by learning all these techniques here, would now apply uh, the you know trying to best do the best of uh, I can with the uh, Mexican food just with different techniques, both in the restaurant as well as in the book, right? Yes, Ellison. I was just going to add in that Gonzalo is, might be a little humble on this, but he also yes, enjoys <laughs> cookbooks substantially, and he looks online and he's very much involved in pursuing the different research and development. Yes, <laughs> there's a lot uh, a lot more than than meets the eye with this one so you have to just kind of <laughs> trust that there's a lot more to that story rather than just the the memory of the market yes. so tell us about the book what do you love about it how's it organized what does it feature all the all the cuisines of of mexico it sounds like the best of each region yeah we're a non-regionally specific mexican restaurant so that part or really translated. very regionally specific well, yeah, you or just combine all of it. all of mexican specific <laughs> i suppose um Gonzalo and Stacy Adamando, the co-author, did a really beautiful job with the book. They they not only put it out incredibly fast, but it was just beautiful. From start to finish, it's a book that you can take home and having no experience cooking Mexican cuisine, you can kind of find your comfort level with with where you are and adapt your skills and your ability to the book. So it can be written for someone that is very passionate about food and wants to create an entire Mexican pantry. It also can be written for someone that just wants to cook a one-off dinner. The heart of the book and the heart of the restaurant really is the masa, which is what we started with, which is just ground corn. And it was years before you saw you know, the one dish that has the flour tortillas. So just to kind of jump through two conversations here, but staying authentic with just what Gonzalo grew up with and then throwing in a dish with a, the flour tortilla was not from Veracruz at all, but it's part of Mexican cuisine. So that ended up in the restaurant and in the book as well. So, But the book itself, it really is it really is something that is unique in the sense that it takes you through from start to finish and you can jump in wherever you feel comfortable. Um, it's very user-friendly. Pictures are beautiful. It's, it's written in a way that it's not intimidating, um, but makes you hungry. Your book is almost like a cultural journey through Mexico on behalf of food, but that really just being the guide. I mean, the photography is stunning. Yeah, I think we were lucky to work with really great, uh, really great writer in this case, <laughs> Stacy, uh, <laughs> that we got along, and she understood cultures and everything about myself. So we kind of like, I think that helped a lot. It was just great, but also the uh, photographer, same idea. She was so into the uh, the uh, taste and the flavors because she'll. You know they will eat there every now and then and she just liked it a lot and all these colors so i think uh it was kind of easier for her too because i think she normally might go into places where there's not that many colors uh, and as you know mexican food 
It's colorful. Yeah, it's colorful. Yeah, so I mean, even the peppers and the right, right, red, red, green, right. Yeah. So it make made everything much easier for everyone and really enjoy it. And I think that you know that shows in the book all the uh, love that got put into it. What's the heart of the book? Is it meat dishes? Is it salads? Or do you not eat that many salads because it's basically too hot for leafy green vegetables in Mexico? Or what is what are the kind of the core ingredients and dishes that you would? Uh, Combined with Mexican food. Well, I, I'm like just like Allison said. The uh, I think the heart of the uh, restaurant and the book is the masa, and chilies, and that's kind of like the heart for myself for the uh, for the for Mexican food, and you know from that, of course, all the um, what we're trying to do now is. Uh, and, know, and for the masa, you really just grind corn. That's it. No, there must be a trick of <laughs> a little well, bit of salt or well, some. Like, no, you know, to make a simple tortilla, <laughs> you only need like three ingredients. You don't have to give it away here, but no, no. I, I mean, I can give it away. A lot of people, I think, uh, that might be listening and understand the process, uh, or they know the word uh, nixtamal. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but nixtamal is uh, the process of cooking your dry corn into water and cow and then just bring it up to boil and you let it sit that overnight and then uh the next day or after eight hours then you rinse that corn and get all the skin off and then grind it and then you have your masa so, so it's not quite as easy as that's no it is i mean it's just a long process uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah exactly uh, it's definitely like a, a you know labor intense and uh but again at the restaurant it's all about uh no shortcuts not getting you know not taking shortcuts so we do again all that masa we do couple hundred pounds to 300 pounds every day and all this corn that we use is also really good corn that we get. We have to, I have to say that it's not from local. It's all come, it all comes from Mexico, but it's, it, it's, it comes from really good sources. And it's organic, uh, uh, white, um, white organic corn that we get from Mexico. So and really then you fill quality. it with some with, and with, then, with meats, different meats, or with vegetables. Well, or then lettuces. we have the uh, then we have masa. Uh -huh, yeah. which is now the base Foundation. of anything now. So now we just spread some molly on those tortillas and then you have a dish already. You don't really need much of it. <laughs> and nice. you know, to, uh, But also uh, going to the vegetables, like in the South, we make uh, our quesadillas with corn-based tortillas. And those quesadillas are almost never filled with like meat. That's more against Central Mexico, North of Mexico. In the South, we do a lot of uh, mushrooms, uh, with lacoches, uh, which is a, a corn fungus, really exquisite. Uh, ingredient uh and then you know we have all these really good um other vegetables that we just filled our quesadillas with and uh, and that's on, on the book I, I think we show a couple different ways that uh using vegetables into uh, and the book is called nopalito small cactus nopalito a mexican kitchen and the author is also the owner and chef at nopalito in san francisco that's gonzalo gonzalez guzman and he's joined here in the studio by Allison Jossel, the owner of Nopa in San Francisco, just around the corner, Nopa and Nopalito. We're almost out of time, but I do want to ask both of you, what's your favorite dish? May it be in the book, I hope. Uh, it might also not be, but yes, <laughs> if it can be. My favorite dish is the Totopos con Chile, which is probably one of the more simple, but it's delicious. So Gonzalo talked about masa, which then makes tortillas that then we make into chips. And these chips are reheated in the oven. They're tossed with a very spicy salsa de arbol, which is basically like, uh, imagine chips and salsa, but your chips are tossed in salsa. And then they're topped with very, very finely shaved cotija cheese, cilantro, and fresh white onions. And it's served with a side of crema, which in the restaurant, a little secret is that we use Greek yogurt and we mix it with lime and salt. So it's a better version of sour cream. And I could probably eat those all day. 
and not much else because they're they're spicy and addictive and crunchy, but a little bit soggy and the crema balances out the heat. They're perfect. They're my favorite. Very healthy. (laughs) Not very healthy. (laughs) No, actually, they're pretty healthy. Pure corn, there's nothing else but that in tomatoes and salsa. What's your favorite? Uh, I always say this, but I really don't have a favorite. Like, um, I think my favorite part of this, the Mexican food and my food and this book is masa, which makes the tortillas. Mm -hmm. And probably tortilla is my favorite dish even though it doesn't sound like a dish but it could be just that and roll and eat it like that and if you really really want to know i mean i do really really want to (laughs) know then you know i love empanadas uh and we have a couple of those on the book just because they're really simple and they have this crunch and they're filled with anything that you can i mean some really good uh, like we have one in the book that is with uh, squash blossoms and and um summer squash and then maybe uh, some uh, Oaxaca and cheese and then you fold that fry it and that's really I mean really tasty and yummy with some salsa on top and that's kind of like my favorite which is so fun right you can use the the summer bounty or even the winter bounty but right now the summer bounty of California's organic cuisine or, or harvest and Mexicanize it right right it's absolutely fine and actually common if you say squash blossoms many foods even avocado are now grown locally uh, mangoes are grown here so you can there's you have you have access here in, in california right now to a summer crop that lends itself for healthy fresh mexican cuisine would you say that's true you don't need to import anything necessarily from mexico no we do i mean all the vegetables and everything fresh comes all from the uh, local uh, farms here in california mm-hmm. again the only thing that we get from mexico is the dried chilies and the corn because yeah. we don't have access to here for right. the quantities, but everything else, all the fresh ingredients that you see at the restaurant in the book, they're all been sourced locally, and that's the whole idea uh, of our Mexican food here. One of the things that's amazing is that we'll sharp the farmers markets and bring in the exact same ingredients to both restaurants, to both restaurants, oh, and then so they're cool. translated completely differently onto the menu. Yet they came from the same farmer, so you can see cucumbers show up in both restaurants. Yet they're going to taste very different when they land at the table, or squash blossoms, or anything for that matter. It's because just the spices and chili and lime and all that translates into Mexican food versus what you would use at Nopa, right? Yeah, totally uh, different, same quality, <laughs> same ingredient, different same expression. Ingredient. Amazing. If people are interested, what's the best way to check out the book? Again, that book is called Nopalito. It's small cactus, a Mexican kitchen, Nopalito, a Mexican kitchen. Is there a website for it or how can people the order The book it? is available through our website, which is nopalitosf.com. And it is in all major bookstores as well as online. Um, it was published by 10 Speed Press, which were amazing people to work with. And uh, that book can be found pretty much anywhere, thankfully. So I feel very lucky about that. Again, nopalito, as you would say it, sf.com. And that's Ellison Jossel, the owner of NOPA, and Gonzalo Gonzalez Guzman, the chef and owner and author of that book, of Nopalito, both the restaurant and the book. Thank you so much for coming in. That was very fun. Thank, Thank you, you for having us. <laughs> and I'm so hungry now, <laughs> <laughs> which is what you said it would it's do. perfect. Wonderful. Great to have you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Authentic Mexican cuisine, a world of flavor and spirit. That's our focus in this hour off an organic conversation and we'll take a quick break but we'll be back with so much more stay tuned (laughs) 
And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. Authentic Mexican cuisine, a world of flavor and spirit. That's our focus in this hour. And we are staying with that topic as we are diving into the next segment, the update from the produce doc. What is actually growing right now that could be converted into authentic Mexican cuisine? how to buy it, how to store it, how to choose it. And we just heard what to do with it, but now we're learning what is available or what is hitting the marketplace, your grocer, in the next couple of weeks. Here's the update from the San Francisco Produce Doc, Mr. Earl Herrick. Here's what's in season. And as always, with me is the voice of the San Francisco Produce Doc, Mr. Organic, Mr. Earl Herrick, the owner and founder of Earl's Organic Produce. Earl, are you there? Oh, good day, Helga, yes. <laughs> and a good down day the, it is. Ah, oh, yeah. yeah summer. I didn't realize how much I was missing really steady, warm, beautiful temperature. <laughs> and the, the rain was important and wonderful and embraced. And ah, so nice to be in the 70s in the Bay Area now again. San Francisco, where yeah. the show is produced, and uh, lovely. Well, you know, this is the time of year. We're right in the longest day. I mean, the longest day is coming up oh, in three yep. weeks. That's right. So we have this either side of it for a good month. And mm. These are the longest days. So it's so odd for me to be driving in, and, and all of a sudden you see the light, you know the sun's rising. And so funny that you're saying that with the longest day. Like if you don't realize that, in three weeks we are already heading towards shorter days again. Yes. So this I is know. it. This is it. Yeah, and yeah. Then what what glorious days. And, you know, it is funny how we acclimate to our environment and how you get used yes. to, especially this winter, was a real winter here for us in California. A lot totally. of rain. To finally get all this is, uh, you know, it's easy to say a breath of fresh air, but that's, that's what it's been. Yep. And we just had a beautiful, fitting summer show uh, interview about authentic Mexican cuisine. Not just like Tex-Mex, Americanized Mexican, but real fresh ingredients, cilantro yeah. and lime and spices. And there you go for the summer yeah. months, because many of us love at least the guacamole and chips. But I want to talk with you about going through the year of what staples of Mexican cuisine or of just healthy and fresh cuisine, but specifically for Mexican, are available throughout the summer months and perhaps even throughout the year that we can fall back on grown in California organically. Can you yeah. walk us through that? Sure. Well, so many different ingredients. We're just going to touch base on some of the real obvious ones that you would have in pretty much any meal. And we can even start with avocado. I mean, that's yeah. Well, there's avocados that are really a force of nature now. That they are year-round. This is an odd year for a number of reasons. This is an alternate. It's an alternate bearing fruit of a tree, and this is a down year. It's also, you know, we've also come off of five, six years of drought where many people thinned out their their avocado orchards because oh. they didn't have enough. They didn't have enough money to be able to water all of their orchards. And, and avocados are an incredibly high-capacity user of water. 
water. So it just became economics for many farmers. Uh, of course, there's always uh, t- uh, tomatoes, which uh, year-round, if you consider off-season in Mexico, but the California stuff is going to start right about now, the 1st of June. Mm-hmm. The local production starts to kick in, but the season really becomes full force in July and August and September. Yeah, nice. Um, there's peppers. Same peppers with peppers, are, right? Same time frame? Yeah. yeah, a little later, though, where they, they, they again, need a lot of heat like tomatoes. But So they're going to start about middle to late July, and again, year-round when you consider Mexican. But there are some gaps because uh, peppers, especially the hot ones, are not mm-hmm. quite as used by as many people as tomatoes are. Sure. Uh, there's cabbage, of course, for maybe flushing out some of some of the salads in, in the Mexican fare. Uh, the cabbage is pretty much year-round, but definitely out of Watsonville right now. Yeah, corn. like a corn tortilla with some Mexican slaw on it. That's already oh, yeah, a, a meal, but, right? Yeah, and also the, uh, the there's a nice uh, mix, uh, mango salsa that people put together. Oh, yeah, nice. And now mangoes are now grown in Mexico, and they're the, Mex- the Mexican... Excuse me. The American mango starts in in August, mm-hmm. but again, you're going to see them almost full time supply when you include Ecuador and Mexico. Uh, corn, of course, you start seeing in about two weeks the local corn. Uh, but again, you can get corn periodically throughout the year when you get the desert of California and some Mexican uh, corn. Yeah, and our, our guest was saying, really, that's the foundation of Mexican food, right? It's the masa, and there's such a yep. big difference, and they have this way of watering or boiling the corn and then skinning it, and he said that yeah. really sets some restaurants apart from others if they make their own masa as the as a basis for their tortillas and chips. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, consider making it fresh yeah. right oh, there, incredible. grinding your own corn. And there is some process of soaking yeah, exactly. corn, which uh, I guess you say that's in the book, right? Yeah, exactly. And then, of course, there's other uh, other ingredients like cilantro, of course. That's a very uh, local thing this time of year. Uh-huh. That you, It's a very delicate uh, parsley, if you will. Mm-hmm. And um, right now it, it grows along the coast prolifically. Again, you can get it kind of year-round when you get in the different growing areas. Nice. So those are kind of the... And then there's jicama. Oh, yeah. Which, you know, is, is, is something that's becoming more and more popular, more and more staple in... Uh, Finally available organically. That's right. It was hard and, to find. And jicama, if you have never tried it, it's this kind of um, huge potato looking like li- little lighter skin, but uh, you really just cut into it, you peel it, you cut slices out of it or, or squares and put cilantro and lime and some chili on it, and, and that's it. That's your summer salad. It's so delicious and refreshing and such a great crunch to it. I love oh. jicama. And no calories, oh. right? Zero calories. It's just amazing. Oh, yeah, incredibly refreshing. Just, yeah. you know, cr- uh, slice up sticks. Right, uh, exactly. That's what and, I mean. Yeah, yeah, a little lime juice on there, yeah. and it's incredibly refreshing in the summer. Yeah, it's perfect. Very, very simple, very, oh. very, nice. uh, very delicious. <laughs> yeah, it's so great to, You know, I grew up in Ohio, and this stuff was incredibly foreign to me. I think in the past, I've probably mentioned I never saw an avocado. Yeah. Well, I, not a Haas until I moved out here. Uh, there was some some of the green skins we'd get from Florida. Sure. And, but now, you know, it's... Beautiful. You know, everybody in the world knows about avocado. 
Nice. Thank you, yeah. Earl. That's a summer oh. full of fresh Mexican-inspired cuisine, great ingredients, super healthy for you and all either in season now or coming in the next couple of months. Yes. Thank you, cool. Earl. So fun. Yeah. Summer is here, as you said. Good warning or good, good, good reminder. <laughs> Three weeks, summer Enjoy. solstice. So these are the days. Enjoy some fresh Mexican cuisine with some organic ingredients. Of course, the website is earlsorganic.com for inspirations there. Thanks so much for joining us today, Earl. We'll have you back next week. My pleasure. I'll be looking forward to next <laughs> Take care. See you, man. Bye. And that wraps up an amazing hour on this summer bounty on the summer spirit, Mexican food, Mexican-ish ingredients. Keep it healthy, keep it real. And we'll be back with another episode next week. This is an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. Thanks so much for listening. And that was this week's edition of An Organic Conversation. Thank you so much for listening. A big thank you also to our associate producer, Kristen Ponger. An Organic Conversation is made possible through listeners like you and the fantastic support of our underwriters. Equal Exchange, a worker-owned cooperative that ensures your food is environmentally sound and socially just. Equal Exchange has been creating big change for small farmers for over 30 years by offering certified organic and fair trade coffee, tea, chocolate, bananas, and avocados. More on Equal Exchange at equalexchange.coop. And Utterly, offering beautiful and fun clothing for boys and girls that is made entirely from the unused fabric of prominent apparel manufacturers. Every garment reduces our eco-footprint by preventing this fabric from reaching the waste stream. Utterly, making sustainability fashionable and fashion sustainable. For more information, utterly.co. Also, Earl's Organic Produce, a national distributor providing certified organic fruits and vegetables for your store, home, or business. Are you a chef? have a catering business, or planning a party, or simply just love organic produce, anyone can buy directly from Earl's Organic at wholesale prices. The website is earlsorganic.com. And Fry Vineyards, America's first certified organic winery, producing organic and certified biodynamic wine without synthetic sulfites or other preservatives. Family-owned and operated since 1980. Fry Vineyards, Mendocino County award-winning wines. For more information, frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E dot com. Lastly, thank you as well to Bowman College, focused on holistic nutrition and culinary arts for over 20 years. Bowman College offers professional training programs that prepare individuals for careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Their website is bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. If you missed parts of this show or for any other episode, go to anorganicconversation.com or 
subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, so you'll never miss an episode. And for more information, health tips, recipes, and your daily dose of inspiration, find us on Facebook and Instagram at An Organic Conversation and on Twitter at Talk Organic. I'm Helge Helberg, and we'll be back with another great episode right here, same place, same time, next week. See you then.